everybody doing? Well, then you probably probably can help the rest of us. Hallelujah. You don't have to be doing good to come to church. It's hopefully, you're doing good when you get out of church. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm thinking a lot of people were touched during worship. There was just a, just a real meaningful touch of God. Uh, so many different things. One of the things, I mean, I was just weeping, but one of the things that hit me, about made me jump on the seat and start dancing. I, felt, I suppose most of you felt that way. <laughs> but I uh, always want people to think I'm half normal, so I don't do those things, but, except in private. <laughs> But death in vain forbids him rise. Didn't that hit you? Death in vain forbids him rise. The Bible says we face death all day long. If we're Christians, we're facing that thing. is trying to stop us all day long. But death in vain forbids Tony to rise or anybody else. Death in vain forbids him rise. We're going to talk a little bit about praying hard and pressing in and I see the theme of everybody praying in the morning, and then the word Tony had, and everything about it is, uh, is exactly what God's trying to say today. And we're going to talk a little bit about, a little later, about consecration to what we've actually received in prayer, consecrated to God to, to actually use the grace that he's put in us during that prayer time. But right now, we just want to talk about praying, and I guess I want to talk about praying hard, and I think that's been verified throughout the service. There's no reason to pray diligently or passionately or hard unless at the end of the day, praying hard actually produces something. I don't know about you, but if I'm doing something really hard and it produces nothing but fatigue, that's hard on me. I don't know about you, but everything I do seems like I have to do it hard. Except I even rest hard. It's just like, I mean, I want to get the most out of whatever I do. I like to win. I like to get good grades. I like to pray through. And I like to get the answer that he promised I can have. It's just we weren't created to lose. And Jesus has pretty much made it possible for us to be a big continuous win. There's a time. We're going to skip that a moment. When I go to prayer, usually I'm going to have to pray hard even to get, I call it levels. It's just like if you pray for, I don't know where you're at in your prayer time, maybe you're not. <laughs> uh, maybe you're one minute, maybe you're 15 minutes, maybe you're an hour, maybe you've been in this thing 30 years and just been praying three hours a day. But wherever you are, it seems like to start out in prayer so often, a lot of times it's just hard. And it's like, what are you going to do in order to be able to think, though, maybe it'd be good if I wasn't distracted right now. Maybe it'd be good if I go ahead and press through this dryness. What can I do? And I've, I've loaded myself with a few verses just from memory. Uh, I've memorized them or at least memorized the paraphrase of them in order to get me through to the next level because I know that I know that I know he's going to answer. If I've got any prayers that he hasn't answered, they'll be answered yet. But I've had so many, he's never, ever, 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 ever. I don't know how to say this, but he's never said no. But I've never wanted too much more than whatever he wants. And I've found that whatever he wants really fits me well and makes me live and gives me life. And that's all I want is a mutual life with Jesus. 
Hardship without purpose is unreasonable. Hardship without purpose is purposeless. I don't mind the hardship if there's some kind of reason. Here's the scriptures that come to my heart when it's hard to pray. Psalm 910 says, those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You've never forsaken those who seek you. Okay, I'm going to keep praying. Hebrews 11.6, most of us know it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For anyone that comes to him must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I know if I get diligent in this time of prayer, he's going to answer my prayer. He's going to bring me to this step of knowing that I can hold on and take another step until I get that prayer answered. He's going to answer my prayer. He's never forsaken those that seek him. He's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Luke chapter 18, one of my favorite because I like to talk to God this way. He says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? We are completely, I know you got to have this in your heart when you pray. And I may talk about it later, I may not. We've got to know we're righteous. That takes faith. <laughs> we are righteous through the blood of Jesus. I sinned yesterday, but I'm righteous. I sinned this morning, but I'm righteous. I sinned last week, but I'm righteous. I'm trusting not in what I did or didn't do. I'm trusting in the blood of Jesus. I'm in his presence, and I know it bears witness. I'm righteous. And if I'm not in his presence, it doesn't bear witness, so i got to press in and get to a point where I know I'm righteous. Because he'll bear witness and he'll proclaim the truth. And the Bible says the devil was cast down to sit on my shoulder and the accuser of the brethren sitting there accusing us. But then there's a guy that's up in heaven. I don't believe the devil can get up there anymore. Another sermon. But, but the thing is, Jesus is up there at the right hand of the Father pleading my cause. It says it in the Bible. So Jesus is saying he's righteous, he's righteous, he's righteous. So if I could get into his presence and hear what Jesus is saying, instead of down here where he's on my shoulder, I know I'm righteous. If I know I'm righteous, I know he's set apart the godly for himself. That's me. <clears throat> so he's going to bring justice to me because I have a, uh, it's only right to bring justice to a righteous man. He will bring justice quickly to those that cry to him day and night. Will he keep putting him off? I tell you. He will see that they get justice. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith when he comes to earth? What's your answer? Will he find faith? I always tell him, if I'm still here, I, you will. If I'm still walking around, you're going to find faith. Another sermon, too, is seek and faith are one and the same. They're always interchanged. Young lions do suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And then it talks about faith and seeking being the same thing. If we're seeking him, we have faith. You don't need a lot of faith to seek him. Just a mustard seed. You will seek me. Here's a good one. And find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. That's a shouting verse. You will seek me and you will find me. You seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and you'll find me. You will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. You will seek me and you will find me. You will. You will find me. Your circumstance doesn't think so, but 
Jesus thinks you'll find him. I agree with him. You will seek me and you will find me. Don't you love it? Isaiah 45, 9 says this to back him up. It says, I would, have told, would I, I would not have told the people of Israel, seek me if I could not be found. <laughs> King James, I didn't tell the people of Israel to seek me in vain. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. So if I'm going to go into hard prayer, I got to get these scriptures in my heart to know that, hey, he is true and my circumstance is not true. He is true. My circumstance says, says it can't happen. It's a real circumstance, but the circumstance tells me it can't happen. Jesus says it can happen. It will happen, in fact. doesn't just can, it will. <clears throat> and when I am found by you, declares the Lord, I will bring you back from captivity. There's captivity in our lives. There's captivity in our lives, but if... I can find him. If he can be found by me, he will take me back from captivity. If I pray hard, if I pray hard, he'll set me free from captivity. Do you remember the most earth-shaking, the most life-shattering, changing, most pivotal, most crucial, most amazing, weighty thing that ever been written in all the library books of the, uh, of, the, of the world. It's in the Bible, so we narrowed it down to the Bible. Do you remember how I said it a few weeks ago when I spoke? The greatest and the most amazing verse is not John 3.16. Now, this is opinion, okay, but <laughs> I believe the greatest verse in the whole Bible, we still get the same author, John and the Holy Ghost, is John 6.29. And you guys, after this, is going to one guy came up after I preached about six, seven weeks ago, and he, he said, what was that verse? But now you guys are all going to know it, and you're going to remember it after today because you're going to like this verse. And they asked him, people were following him, and they asked him, what is the work that God requires us to do? And Jesus looked at him and he said, the work of God is this, to believe the one he has sent. The work of God is to believe do you get saved without works? Yeah. Do you get saved with works? Yeah. Depends on what you're thinking. The work of God is to believe. And it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe when you're on your knees and pain all over and, and you're trying to get back up and praise the Lord and praise him when you're down and praise him when you're up. But it's okay if it's hard because when you seek him when it's hard, he'll be found by you. I could shout. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. The work of God is to believe on the one he has sent. Who did he send? The Bible says in John, John is a good book. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He sent Jesus but it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He sent his word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and started walking around. He started doing stuff among us. The word of God became flesh and started doing stuff among us. And what's Acts chapter 10, 38 say? You all know that. Jack, it says how God anointed who? 
No, the word of Nazareth <laughs> tricked you. Sorry. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He anointed the word with the Holy Spirit and he went about doing good. The word went about doing stuff. Raising dead people. The word went about raising people from the dead. Healing leprosy. Uh, cleansing guilt and fear and shame that uh, tax collectors had and prostitutes had and, and, and all this stuff. And he just loved these people. And all these bondages within them just fell off. And so they'd cling to him and they'd follow him. And they'd invite him home. The word went about doing stuff. It says the work of God is to believe on the word that he sent. And the word became flesh and went around doing stuff. And the word went about doing stuff. And the only reason the word could do anything is because it was anointed. In the Old Testament, all the word could do is, you fell short. You fell short. You fell short. You felt short three times. I know her better. <laughs> God anointed the word now. And it brought life when he brought the anointing, the life of the Holy Ghost. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And if you will seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. If you seek me, if you will seek the word, you will find him and he'll... What? What will he do? He'll bring you back from captivity. It's not about getting rid of sin. It's not about getting rid of sickness. It's not about you cleaning you up. We've heard that stuff before. But we don't practice it. We practice trying to get kind of good. Even when we go to pray so often, we practice trying to repent right before we see if maybe somehow if I repent just right, I'll feel his presence. He said, seek me. He didn't say try to clean up. He didn't say try to get healed. He didn't say seek healing. He said, if you seek me, I will take you back from captivity. All you need is him and all the self-righteous. Can I pick on the assemblies of God? Because that's who we are. Because it could be any church. All the self-righteous churches that require stuff on the front of the door says, you got to be this, you got to be this, you got to be this. Then you can come in and we'll, we'll love you and stuff. The only requirement to seek the Lord is to be ball busted up and need help. You will seek me and you'll find me. You'll find this living word. When you seek this living word with all of your heart. I don't know how much heart you have. Somebody, somebody's here today. I, I can't pray hard. I, I just can't pray hard. I don't know how much heart you have. I don't know how much, how hard you can pray, but I know 100% sure. I'm 100% sure you can pray just hard enough to find him. You know why I know that? Just because I know Jesus a little bit. But the other reason I know is because he's saying to his disciples, he say, hey, guys, look at this lady over here. She was in the temple. He says, see, see how she gave two mites, which is pretty much one of our pennies? She gave two mites. He said, don't you guys forget this. That lady gave more than everybody else. Jesus, the living word, took note. And he says, everybody else gave out of their abundance. He took a different kind of note to that. It wasn't as important. But he said, this woman, this woman, 
She's given her two mites. And all we need to pray hard, if all you've got is two mites, if all you've got is one penny uh, of strength to pray hard, that's all you need to get his attention. How many times? How many times throughout the years I've been laying in bed and I can't even pray. I mean, any Christian, you know what I'm talking about? You go through stuff. (laughs) And there's times. It's not, like, it's not like hundreds of times a year or anything, but there's times where I can't even pray. But I can move my foot, and I kick my wife, and I say, honey, pray. Pray. I don't say it anymore. She knows what I mean. Pray. <laughs> She'll pray a while. Pretty soon I'm able to pray. Have you got, two, have you got a penny's worth of strength to pray? I guarantee you, you can hear that. All you need to be able to do is say, help or Jesus if you can spit that out or maybe you can form it in your mind or maybe you can't grab somebody and they'll figure out to pray Jesus all you got to do is give it all you got it all qualifies regardless of the the amount it qualifies if you give all I got to this point and I guess I was kind of fired up in my message and so I just had to go Spanish I don't know why I go Spanish when I'm fired up but so I just go, tango un ejemplo para ti. I've got an example for you. <laughs> I hope that's close enough to, my Spaniards are from Guatemala. <laughs> Roofing. Tango un ejemplo para ti. So I'm thinking of Bartimaeus, and you can think of a lot of examples in the Bible. And I'm thinking Bartimaeus must have had some kind of knowledge. Maybe his mom and dad took him to synagogue or, or whatever. Maybe, maybe he could see when he was younger. It doesn't say. But somehow he must have knew that this Jesus, somebody told him recently, I don't know, but I'm thinking he must have knew some scriptures. How in the world could that guy be that bold and not know some scriptures? I'm thinking he had to know this verse. You seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. So he's hearing this commotion. He's saying, what's going on over there? And the people that are leading Jesus in the front of the crowd, they said, well, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. And he starts screaming. He didn't think he's going to scream after he said that. He starts screaming, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Word of God, have mercy on me. Word of God, have mercy on me. Word of, and he shouted. And they said, no, no, be quiet. Don't disturb the master. Don't make noise. And what did he do? The circumstance said, be quiet. Something that he knew about scriptures said, seek him with all your heart. He'll find you. And I got to believe that he knew Isaiah 55, 6. You all know Isaiah 55, 6. Call on the Lord while he's near. Seek him while he may be found. He's thinking, man, I've been wanting him to be near. I haven't been able to get near him. He's near right now. Call on the Lord while he's near. Seek him while he may be found. Because if you seek him with all your heart, you, he will be found by you. So he's thinking Jesus is near. He, they're telling him. And they're also, now they're telling him to be quiet. Shut up is pretty much what they were saying. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. You're undignified. Folks, I'm sorry. I've never seen undignified win a, a a sports match. I've never, I mean, dignified. I've never seen anybody be perfectly dignified in a soccer game. I've never seen it work to win a match. I, they get dirty, they get dusty, they get bloody, they get spitty, they get, they get mad. <laughs> well, Bartimaeus 
must have knew some scriptures. So he cries all the Lord, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And this is the most amazing thing that ever happened on the face of the earth. He cried louder. And it said the word of God stopped. It does. Read it. Mark 10, 46. The word of God stopped. Jesus stopped and said, bring him to me. If you get the attention of the living word and it and you are he is found by you, there's a hundred percent chance you're gonna get healed. There's a hundred percent chance you're gonna get delivered. Hundred percent, maybe two hundred percent chance. There's always overflow. Mm. Woohoo. Mm. So Bartimaeus was standing on the spoken word of God or the the written word of God, the spoken word of God. It was written so that the living word of God could come and set him free. Bartimaeus was standing on the written word of God so that the living word of God could come and set him free. He was standing on what he had heard so that when he did break through, when he did have opportunity, when call on the Lord while he is near, seek him while the Bible says the verses are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Nothing could get through his faithfulness. You can stand on his word. He stood on the written word. And he got the attention of the living word. <clears throat> so what are where we're at? We're at the part where we're found by him. Why are we found by why is he found by us? Because we stood on some scripture that says, Seek me and I'll be found by you. We stood on some scripture, he's never forsaken those that seek him. We stood on some scriptures, he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We stood on some scripture, he's going to bring justice and he's going to bring it quickly. We stood on some scripture. I would not have told you to seek me if I couldn't be found. Doesn't play that game. This is the point where he takes you out of your captivity. He'll say, have your miracle. And in that miracle, maybe your miracle has got to be totally huge. Maybe a leg needs to grow out. Maybe a cancer needs to leave. I cannot and you cannot find one verse in the New Testament where if they got a hold of him, he ever said no. He made like he was going to say no a couple times, but as long as they kept at him, he never said no. You may get your miracle. It may be huge that you need, or you may just get a deposit of grace to take the next step in the vision of what you're after. That's another 10 sermons. So I'm going to keep going. I wasn't going to put this woman in here, but I'm going to put her in here. But that woman with the issue of blood, I think somebody needs to hear about the woman with the issue of blood. Bartimaeus is crying out. He wasn't ashamed. He could care less what the crowd thought. He's, he's tired of being blind. 
I don't care what you guys think. I'm going to yell out to Jesus. I'm going to get a hold of Jesus. But this woman, she couldn't cry out. I don't know why she couldn't cry out. Maybe because after being spending all her money on 12 years of doctors and she became weaker and weaker, um, maybe she just didn't have a voice. But whatever it was, she was very weak. And the only way she could get through, because the Bible says that the crowd was almost crushing Jesus. So how does this weak woman, a woman, a weak woman, not just a woman, but a weak woman, get through all these men that are almost crushing Jesus, shoulder to shoulder? She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get down here. And so there, what are they doing? They're kicking her in the head, but she's getting through. When you want your victory... Some of the closest people to you in the crowd will kick you in the head. Ignore it. You're going after Jesus. You have not got time to get resentful. You don't have time to get mad and say, sir, don't you see my condition? Who cares? That guy ain't going to get Jesus. I'm going to get Jesus. She's going a little further. Ah, steps on her fingers. They're stepping on her feet. They're stepping on everything. But there's enough movement down there where she finally grabbed his garment. She never said a word. But Jesus said, virtue come out of him. She got her miracle. How did she pray hard? Not a word. How did Bartimaeus pray hard? With all of his voice. Which one worked? Both of them. Because they both prayed hard. So, the best way to learn about prayers from Jesus, I'm going to go through this quick. Let's look at Jesus personally, what he teaches about prayer, about passionately being passionate about prayer, what he does by his example, what he talks about by, by praying hard, what he means by being, being diligent. What was his attitude? I don't know if we've ever seen Jesus more passionate about any subject than the subject of prayer. Prayer kind of undergirds all of his vision. But I've never seen him talk more passionately that I can think of than prayer. And simply by his actions, we see that. Um, Hebrews 5, 7. It kind of shows the marriage between prayer and consecration to obedience. And this was Jesus. It says in Jesus during his days on earth, while he was living on earth, it says, he offered up prayers and petitions with strong crying and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So he's in there. He's crying out with strong cries and prayers, but that wasn't enough. When those strong cries and prayers brought the grace of God, that grace he used to go out and do what God would direct him to do. Mark Batterson says it this way. He says, pray as if it depends on God, work as if it depends on you. And that is so true. Pray as, it depends on, as if it depends on God. But then as God speaks to you, he wants to go do something with you. We try to do something on our own, it doesn't work. We try to get God to do it all, it doesn't work. But if we get into the prayer room and God says, okay, this is where we're at, this is where it's at, there's a joy, there's a confidence. You know that's what God is saying. You get up out of your prayer room and you don't do it because there's another atmosphere that's not, out, not in the prayer room. This guy is doing it. <laughs> God said, Spain, okay, Spain. 
Pray as if it depends on God and work as it depends on you really means receive something from him in prayer. And at that point, consecrate it into obedience. Consecrate yourself to God, to walking with him. Okay, so just a couple, three verses that Jesus, just to see a picture of Jesus praying. In Hebrews 5, 7, we see that. But in Luke, let me see. We've got, okay, I thought I forgot to put one down. Here it is up here. In Mark 1, 35, rising up a great while before day, that means it's hard. How many like to rise up a great while before day and go pray? Now, I know we like to rise up sometimes a great while before day and go on vacation or something else. But it is hard to rise up on a regular basis a great while before day and go pray. But that's what it says he did in Mark 1.35. And then if you look in Luke 6, it says he prayed all night. Grace was deposited to him during that night. And then he went out the next day and, and, and uh, picked his 12 apostles. He took all night. I've only in one time in my life, and that's another sermon, I've only one time in my life prayed all night, and it was amazing what God did. The other times I tried, <laughs> so, and there are a lot of other times. Okay, then we see him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. So we see him rising up a great while. We see him praying all night. We see him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed hard, right? Sweat, blood, drips of blood. That's hard prayer, man. I'll tell you that cross was quite a thing. He did not want to do it that way. He said, Father, there's got to be some other way. How many times we go to prayer, Lord, I'll do this thing, but there's got to be some other way. Pray through on that thing. Do it whatever way. God will give you the grace to do it however it's supposed to be done. But you've got to pray through. You've got to pray through. You've got to know that God spoke and then just do it his way and the grace will follow you. Okay, so that's, a, that's kind of a portrait of how he prayed. But then what did he say about prayer? What's the greatest teaching you've ever seen in the Bible about prayer? No, it's not the Our Father, Sandy. <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> so I got two opinions in this thing. My, my favorite verse and uh, great, Jesus' greatest teaching on prayer. I believe it's right up there with the Our Father, maybe equal. But John chapter 2 teaches us what Jesus taught about prayer more than anything that I can find in the Bible, the importance of prayer. And he, it said that after he made a cord of, after he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and he poured out the changers money and he said to those people with doves, he said, take these things hence and make my, my father's house a house of merchandise. You might have to get this in the spirit, but I'll just plain out say it. If God's house is not a house of prayer, you're a thief. You're not letting God's house be what God wants it to be. If God's house is not a house of prayer, you're stealing from God. If you're not setting up more and more prayer in the house of God, you're, we're a thief. We're a thief. After he said that, it says his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for thine house has eaten me up. When he was talking about prayer, the disciples are thinking, hey, I remember that's written in the Old Testament. Zeal for thine house has eaten me up. He's just consumed with the desire to have his house be the house of prayer. Right after he said that to them and drove them all out, he went on to say this. This is where it gets real scary for some folks. He said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. 
First he just kicked him out, but then he said this verse after the disciples were talking. And when he said that verse, the living word, remember he stopped because Bartimaeus got his attention. The living word, they tried to stop the living word. When he said this, the Bible says it just like that. It says, and when he said, you've made it a den of thieves, it said the chief priest and the teachers of the law were trying to figure out a way to kill him. Whew. Do you think it's going to be easy to the house of God, the house of prayer, because this, the super knowledgeable, this, the devil himself is going to try to keep that from happening. I don't know what's keeping your house from being a house of prayer, but you are a house of prayer. I don't know if you can see this. It's quite a ways back. It says, protect the house. Protect this house. Protect this house. Jesus said the same thing. He said a little bit louder, a little bit more zealous, and a little bit, a little bit more angry. Hebrews 3.6, just so, so you know I'm not just making things up. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are that house. If... We hold on to the hope and the courage to which we boasted. We are that house. Make not my house a house of thieves. You have made it a den of thieves. We are that house. What's, what's getting in our, our house? Now, the Corinthians 3 and Corinthians 6 both tell us that is talking about the corporate house, which is all of us together. We need to have corporate prayer. Oh, boy, hitting us right on the toe. We need to have corporate prayer, and we have to have individuals. Talking about, it says in Corinthians 3 and 6, chapter 3 and chapter 6, we are an individual house of God, and we are a corporate house of God. God wants to fill that house with prayer. God wants that kind of relationship. God wants us to go into the house of prayer and come out of the house of prayer to come and go with him. Come and go with him. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain to build. We try to build so many things, but we leave out the house of prayer. If we would just seek him hard, we would be found by him. And we would be who he created us to be. And that's a lot more than just prayer. We're created to be such liberated representations of him on earth. Okay, here it is, guys. We're done. The process of driving out whatever's in there is formidable. It's, it's daunting. It's, it's not easy. But if you'll stand on some of the scriptures I told you a little earlier... Some of this stuff will be driven out of your house of prayer so that you can have freedom. What's in your house of prayer? What's in your house? Is it complacency? Is it entertainment? Is it convenience? Is it comfort? Is it people? Is it family? What are we putting above the house of prayer? The house of prayer will make everything else in balance. But if we do everything else to get balanced, the house of prayer will never be where it needs to be. You are that house if you hold on to your courage. And a house of prayer is a liberated house.
pray hard. I got two little things I wrote down. I'm going to read them both. It says the absolute bulwark, the, the main driving engine, the undergirding foundation, the reinforcement rod, the, the footing of civility in the house of God, the family of God, the church of God is prayer. Prayer, we don't need prayer in this house if we're not a consecrated to obedience. We can pray, and it won't do any better than when I prayed 10 rosaries a day. We can pray and we can pray and we can pray. But when he deposits that grace that gives us the ability to consecrate ourselves to be obedient, we cannot be obedient without him being found. Once he's found by us, we have the strength to be obedient. But don't look at the fear. Is it fear that keeps us from the house of prayer? I want you to know the chief priest and the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law tried to kill him when he said this will be a house of prayer. You decide this is going to be a house of prayer. You're in a fight. You decide prayer is more important than anything else, and the most zealous thing he ever spoke about was prayer, or right up there at the top at least. You decide that, you're in for a fight. How many will go for the, how many will enter this fight? I understand if you're hesitant. Hallelujah, Jesus. You will seek me and you will find me. Let's stand. If you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will take you back from captivity. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just look to the Lord. Hallelujah. Some of you, all you need is a miracle. You don't have... You have no, you are not ready to go be obedient. I, I understand. Don't be afraid because we talked about obedience. But obedience in, this, in the presence of his, of his um, acceptance is so much easier and better. And he gives you the strength and he holds you than the obedience we've tried to do outside of the house of prayer. So some of you just need... Just a plain old miracle. Don't think about worrying about the obedience. The obedience is actually a joy. Even Jesus said, it's for the joy set before me, he endured the cross. There will be a joy and expectation and ability given to you when you need to be obedient. Don't worry about that. That was not the, that, that was not, that was not the whole of the message. The whole message was, if he's found by you, you're on, you're on track. If you find him, I should say, you're on track. If you find him, you're on track. If you find him, Death in vain forbids him rise. If you find him, death in vain forbids him rise. Hallelujah. Father, we just receive your love right now. We receive your mercy, Lord God. We receive your grace, Lord God. We call on you while you're near. We seek you while you may be found. Every morning your mercies are new, and every time we have a church service, your mercies are new. You come down, Lord God. Father, we receive right now that heart that's been given. No hope. No hope. Going to be like this the rest of my life. Folks, if it's been 785 times, there's a guy pleading your cause named Jesus. I can't fathom that love, but I sensed it even in worship today. I can't fathom that love, but we can experience a lot of it. I don't know if we can experience it all because it would just totally, it would just, I don't know what would happen to our bodies. 
But I know, I know that I know. Right now, just receive that love. Receive that living word. The word went about doing good and healing all that oppressed to the devil. And the Bible says, it makes it very clear that we, if we will be that house of prayer, we can go about doing good. The word through us can go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed to the devil. And let it begin with me. Somebody in their heart just say, let it begin with me. I receive it. Somebody in your heart just say, I receive, I receive, I receive Jesus. I receive, I receive, I receive. He stopped the word. Bartimaeus, it says the word stopped. He said, what do you want? Bartimaeus said, I need my sight. Somebody right now, tell them what you need. Tell them what you need. Tell them what you need. I need to feel loved. I need out of this financial situation. I need out of this anguish, this worry, this fits of rage. I need out. I need you right now. What do you need? I need out of this pornography. Either get out today, somebody. Or never give up until the word stops and looks at you and says, what do you need? Hallelujah. I believe there's an ability to get out. There's a, an assurance that you don't have to stay in. I don't know what it is, but whatever you've got, you can get out. Because he says, what do you need? What do you need? You've got my attention. What do you need? You've been praying. You've been crying out to me at home and, and at other places. And, and you've been worshiping me. And you've heard my promises. What do you need? What do you need? Somebody just say, I receive. Say it again in your heart. Say it, I receive. If you have to say it out loud, say it out loud, I receive. I receive, Lord God. I take it, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. I know it's mine. I don't believe the devil. I don't believe the crowd. I don't believe the hard knocks. Help. Help. Jesus. Jesus. Just as important a miracle that you're receiving is that other people are receiving a vision. Other people are receiving a directive. God, how do I do this? How do you, how do you want me to walk this out? Begin to treasure that one little thing he told you and begin to walk it out. He'll show you as you go. Pray hard. Walk, walk fast, walk hard, but pray hard. He is never forsaken those that seek him and he will be found by you. We receive your love, Father God. Draw us together in your love. In Jesus' name, help us to help each other with the living word. Amen. God bless you.